Have you ever struggled with emotional eating? I know I have, especially when it comes to stress. Today's guest, Renee Jones, shares her journey, how she gained and lost the same 40 pounds for years until 12 years ago, she finally recognized she was emotionally eating and figured out how to deal with those emotions to fix her eating. She has an amazing TED Talk with over 700,000 views. Today, she shares her tools and tactics, how she overcame her emotional eating. Welcome to the show, Renee. I've got a question for you. Who's the person you're being? Are you satisfied? It's okay. This is a judge-free zone, and it's exactly why I started the show. Welcome to Be The Person, a podcast for the brave and the curious who are ready to explore who they are fully created to be. I'm your host, Annie Randall, the adventurous one leading this investigative journey of transformation. By delving into topics and asking unexpected questions, we will discover the keys for unlocking our true potential and being our best selves today. You may be surprised by what you find when you let go of fear in order to discover the answers of becoming the person you were made to be. Welcome to Be The Person podcast. I am very excited to introduce our guest today, Renee Jones. She is a speaker and a coach, and you guys, you are in for such a treat today. She has so much valuable information. I have been listening to her on different podcasts. She has a TEDx talk. Welcome to the show, Renee. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm just super excited for you to share your own journey and all of the information. But let's start off and let's just talk about you. What do you do today? Tell us a little bit about that. And then also, how did you get there? Today, I give talks to various places around the world and uh, coach people from around the world to help them overcome emotional eating and other forms of self-sabotage so they can, you know, reach the goals that they want to reach. And how did you, I know you talk a lot about emotional eating and was that a personal journey for you? Oh, yes. <laughs> and I spent 40 years on the diet yo-yo, and I'm not exaggerating. I, my first diet was when I was 10 years old. My mother was a little worried, but she said, well, if we get this figured out now, then she'll be free forever. She can, she can manage her weight forever. Only problem was she wasn't very good at it, and I wasn't very good at it. So we'd start a diet, and then we did pretty well. And then we'd go off it and then we'd come back to it when our genes no longer fit. So I did that for 40 silly years. And when I was staring down my 50th birthday, I thought, okay, things happen to women after 50. If I don't figure this out now, I will be fat and unhealthy forever. So let's go. <laughs> so I got up on New Year's Day of 2012 and I thought, Yes. And I did really well for about 10 to 12 days. And then I had to give myself the talk again. Yeah. 
And that went on about every other week until April when I was standing in my closet looking for something to wear so I could go to work. And even my fat clothes were too tight. And I thought, this was going to be my year. What's happened? So I need a safety pen to get to work that day. But we did it. And I came home and I started doing research to figure out what was wrong with me. You know, I had been trying to do this for 40 years. What was wrong with me? And I came across the term that I hadn't heard before. that was emotional eating. And I thought, oh, that's me. Oh, definitely. That's me. And I started looking into that. I found a course that I thought, okay, this will help me. Eventually hired the lady who sold the course to be my coach. And I reached my goal the week before my 50th birthday. And I have not gained it back in 11 years. Wow. That is incredible. Especially after doing the yo-yo dieting for 40 years to really figure out that this is what was working for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you may recognize that you have, you're an emotional eater and that's great, but you have to do something different. And that's the part we often don't want to do because it's hard to sit in that emotion that you're feeling in the midst of that, you know, whether that's shame, blame, guilt, unworthiness, sadness, madness, boredom. It's hard to sit in that and not go to your immediate soother. Yeah. So you you have to. You think we go to that immediate soother because we don't want to feel the emotion? Is it? And we tend to stuff down our feelings and follow it with a food chaser. Mm-hmm. So true. Because they like, like you said, some of those are really hard to feel. Yeah. Yeah. And we either don't want to face it, don't want to look at it, certainly don't want to feel it, or we choose to... This became my mantra. Face your stuff. Don't stuff your face. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Because it's easy the other way to do that. Oh, it's so much easier to do it the other way, but it gets you what you don't want in the end. Mm -hmm. So if if you truly want what you want, how do we figure out how to get you to that? And what do we have to do? It's it's a lot like a budget. You know, everybody in January is thinking, oh, Jiminy, what did I do over Christmas? Here come the bills. Whew. But you adjust your spending in January, February, or however long it takes you to pay it off in order to um, get clear of it. Whereas if we looked at December or November, October in the run-up, okay, how can we make this work so that we have a lovely time and we don't end up feeling awful. Yes. Yeah. So with, with food, you're looking at, okay, this is not actually getting me what I want. How do I get what I want? What do I need to change around that in order to get the mobility and the health and maybe the body shape that you want? Yeah. Was that a hard journey for you to have to feel those feelings? Well, I was feeling them every day. I was just pushing them away. Oh, okay. See, I was like, okay, I don't want to feel that. I'm going over there. But I'd felt it for a second. Mm-hmm. And to actually sit with them some days. Yeah, that was hard to actually recognize. Okay, this is how I feel. It is awful. And gosh, just getting lower and lower kind of thing. But once you get to a point 
you either slough it off and let it go or do whatever it is to reconcile that. And sometimes some help really helps with that because we don't know what we don't know yet. Yeah. We don't know. Okay. You, what? I, I don't have to feel the same way I've always felt about this. There's an option. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes and a, someone with some objectivity can say, why do you feel that way? Where did that come from? And, and, and how do we unwind that so you can be free? Yeah. And you mentioned you hired the lady that did the course. Was that helpful for you? Was that kind of what she did for you? Yes. It was like, okay, this person is different. Cause I mean, there are a lot of coaches out there. There are a lot of therapists and various people to help with this. And some of them um, do their best, but they're not that good. Mm -hmm. You know, that they're doing the best they can and they can take you so far. Sure. But I recognize that this was deeper than just, okay, you follow the diet, you do the exercise. It was more than that for me. So having someone who just shocked me because, you know, I've got a counseling degree. I know what good is when I see it. And she said something one day. I was like, what? I, 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 I just never thought about it that way. And because of her skill and kindness, she was able to draw me through the various stages. And I worked with her for a long time. Because it, it worked for me. And you've got to find that person that you can trust, who can do the job, and that helps you heal. Mm -hmm. I love that for you because after 40 years, there's a lot there, I'm sure. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are listening and thinking the same thing. Wow. Like listening to you, they're thinking, that's me. I've gained and lost that weight. So many times I've lost count. I've tried diet and exercise. I know what to do. It's just the fact of doing it. But yes. there's a sticking point there. Yeah. And you got to find out what that is. I mean, um, people talk about New Year's resolutions a lot. Mm -hmm. I know how to make them work. And that is you find the behavior. You find the root of the behavior. What is driving you? to food for comfort or stress relief? What is driving you to that behavior you no longer want? Because if you don't resolve the issue driving the behavior, mm -hmm. a resolution doesn't work. And I think our timing is perfect for this because it will come out right before uh, New Year's and everybody is setting those resolutions. So I know that you do a lot of coaching. Is that something that you help now other people walk through and identify these things? Yes. And, you know, we start out, we spend a week or two talking about food. We spend a lot of time talking about everything else. Because if we never look at the other food, you know, get your, get your food sorted out, pick your diet, get your exercise sorted out. And if you're still not losing, there's something going on. Mm -hmm. Right. Like for me, one of the things that helped me greatly, I mean, I, I lost my weight on the conventional advice, but it left me tired and hungry and kind of cranky all the time. So I did some more research and I found uh, 
really a piece of software that takes into account how you relate to food and what goes on for you when you're eating. And then it spits out this, what I like to call your unique nutrition blueprint. And what I had been doing was not good for my body. It worked, but it wasn't good for my body. So once I started eating in the way that this suggested, and believe me, when I looked at it, I thought, oh, that's never going to work. Oh, I'm going to blow up like a balloon here. So I thought, I'm at my goal weight. I was now 52. And I thought, I'll give it a week and see what happens. At the end of that week, not only had I not been tired and hungry all the time, Mr. Jones was very glad I was no longer cranky. And I had lost two pounds in a week. And I thought, okay, so I include that. They can do it or not. If they're happy with their diet, that's fine. But once you know your unique nutrition blueprint, it makes it easier because you're not hungry all the time. Yeah, I think that's so important because if we are hungry all the time, it just makes it so much more difficult to maintain. And I think there's ways that, like you said, you don't have to be. You can be at your goal weight and not enough to starve yourself to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it it's just a matter of figuring it out. I mean, I think we can do it if we kept really good records. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not good at that. We don't like tracking. And I don't, I don't blame them for that. That's obnoxious. But it's good information for us. Because it shows us, okay, it was just two hours ago I had my lunch and now I'm hungry. What's that about? Sure. Yeah. But this kind of gives you the information in easy form so that you can take it and run with it. That's great. What You said so at 52, I love that you're just curious because I feel like a lot of people on this podcast are very much the same way. Um, But that was two years later. You were at your goal weight. But still, you just kept trying different things on yourself. If you look at your life today and you compare it to, let's say, 12 years ago or 2012 when you started, what are the big differences that you see there? Um, I'm happier. I'm much more content. I feel better in my body. Um, I didn't know how bad I felt before. I was unaware of it because I had never seen anything different. Um, my relationship with my husband is better. Mm-hmm. I am now coaching, right? And um, I actually did a public talk called TEDx. And the silly thing is I didn't know what TEDx was when I signed up for it. My nephews were really excited for me. I was like, what? It's a thing. Oh, what it's I a get big myself thing, into? and yours is a big thing. <laughs> and I will answer the one thing that people expect me to say. I wear smaller clothes. But that's so minuscule in comparison with the freedom of my heart healing. Yeah. That's like, yeah, yes, I lost weight. I'm in much better shape. But that's... We have little piece of that. It was, it's the joy that comes out now because I'm not carrying all that baggage. 
Sure. Of finally dealing with all of the things you had been carrying around for so long. Yeah. And stuffing the feelings down and following it with a bait chaser. Yeah. What if somebody's listening and they're thinking, oh my gosh, that's me. You know, we, we talk about emotional eating, but I think when you hear somebody's story, a lot of times that really makes us relate. What are maybe three tips that you would give somebody that if they're thinking day one, like you recognize this about you and you want to start on a journey, maybe just really practical things that you would tell them? Hmm. Um, I would say make sure the food that is good for you is in your line of sight. So, for example, my husband's taller than me. and the things that are for me are like right here in the refrigerator or in the pantry. The things that are for him are in opaque containers above my head. So that out of sight, out of mind. Okay. If you, if you need a separate cupboard, fine. Use a separate cupboard that is just for your food. But it just makes it easier when you're not seeing it all the time. Two, I'd say... Get real with yourself. What's actually going on for you when you are drawn to a particular food? What does that mean to you? Because if you figure that out, it helps. And I'll give you an acronym that helps with that. I say it's not hard to overcome emotional eating, but you do have to get the hang of it. Hang is the acronym. H, am I actually hungry? And if you're not... Go find something to do that will make you happy. Two is the A. What is my attraction to food in this moment? What is drawing me there? And what do I actually need? Do I need a walk around the block? Do I need to play with the dog? Do I need a hug? Do I need to call a friend? You know, what do I need in this moment? I'm, I'm looking for food. But what's my heart need right now? And then the G is go. Go get that because that will soothe you more than food ever possibly could. You just have to get the hang of it. Oh, my gosh. I love that so much because I'm an acronym person. It helps me remember different things. Yeah. Just because I think when we're in a habit, too, that, you know, when you feel that emotion, and I'm sure that habit is just to go do it, it just... Mm -hmm. It slows you down to ask those questions, which I really love. Yeah. And I guess the third thing is if you can make rules for yourself and stick to them, it can be really helpful. Like the kitchen is closed after dinner. Don't go back in there. You can have water, but you don't need to go back into the kitchen probably. And when you're away from it, um, when I'm watching television, if I am bored and want something to eat, maybe I need to do something else. Because mm -hmm. if you're bored watching TV, why are you watching TV? Yeah. Um, uh, I sometimes use my celery test. And if I just need something to eat, something to crunch, if celery won't do it, then I'm not actually hungry. Mm-hmm. If you have some celery crunched through that and you're still hungry, that's a different matter. That's a right? good test. Yeah, because you have to really be hungry to want to eat celery. Exactly. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then probably another rule. I got off sugar this way. I made a rule for myself saying I only have sugar on Sundays. And long about Wednesday of the first week, I was just staring down the chocolate chips in the pantry because they were still there. I thought, no, I only have sugar on Sundays. And the interesting thing was, after about 10 days, my palate had changed and I didn't want sugar so much. Mm -hmm. But keeping to my rule helped me get there. I like that because sometimes we need those rules, maybe not forever, you know, I think or they just become super easy to follow, like you said. Yeah. But yeah. to get us started, those are some really great things just to set out for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Do you struggle with sugar cravings that you don't think is tied to emotional eating? it may be tied to your gut health. I have a protocol that I've used that has really helped me overcome my sugar cravings and I have a big sweet tooth. So if you struggle with sugar cravings, check out the link in the show notes to my gut health protocol that could significantly help you reduce those cravings. Did you ever break one of those rules and think, oh my gosh, now I've done it. You know, what's gonna happen? And what did you do if you broke a rule? Oh, and of course I did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, okay, what's going on? You have to be curious about what's driving that behavior. What do I actually need? I had so much trouble with peanut butter. For years, I was troubled by peanut butter. And it's not that peanut butter is a bad food. It's just the quantity I was eating was not helpful. Okay. And when when I finally got curious about, okay, what is it about peanut butter? I go to it for comfort. Okay. Where did that start? And um, if you saw the TEDx, you saw that exercise where we, we ask, what's the food? Where did it come from? Who gave it to you? What was going on around that time? Because... Something in there is connected to that food. And for me, my grandmother and I were tight and we both loved peanut butter, particularly chocolate and peanut butter together. So after she was gone and I no longer had her, peanut butter became the substitute. And when I finally realized she's not in that jar, I need to find that love and encouragement that she gave me in a different way. And when I want the peanut butter, I need to go get it. And, you know, Mr. Jones is very good about that. That helps. But it can be a friend. It can be a child. It can be a pet. You know, just find a way to get that feeling without the food and you get free. Wow. That's so good because we probably all have those foods, you know, that you you don't even necessarily recognize until you really ask yourself those questions mm-hmm. and then think it, it's more than the peanut butter. It's yeah. it, it, yeah. That's just a vehicle, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I've, I've noticed something with men and that is um, this one guy said, I get to the end of the day and I've been good all day. So at 10 o'clock, I want ice cream. And I thought that was really interesting. And then other men, started talking to me about wanting ice cream, particularly at night. 
I was like, what is that about? And one guy said, well, you know, here's the thing. Uh, when you're in Little League and you win the game, they usually take you out for pizza. But if you lose, they might take you for ice cream. Or when mom and dad take you out to tell you that they're getting divorced, they usually buy ice cream. So it becomes, this is our soother. It's just what soothes us. I was like, wow, that's fascinating. That is fascinating that it's coming up all of those years later and it's tied to something as kids. Mm -hmm. Well, that emotional eating is tied to being a child. I mean, you have, you have children, right? Mm -hmm. So when a baby is born and they cry, what do we do? Yeah, we feed them. We feed them. You either put, you put something in their mouth, whether it's the bottle or the breast or a pacifier. Because it soothes them. There's oral soothing going on. And we have to recognize there are, um, food isn't the only soother we have. Oral soothing isn't the only way we know. It's just the first way we know. Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay. Well, we're coming up on the holidays. I know that that triggers a lot of emotions for people anyway. Mm. And then there's all the food and different things. So it can be a challenging time. Tell us a little bit about maybe how do you best navigate that whole season? You have to take a deep breath and decide what your focus is. Is your focus about the particular foods or is it how those foods make you feel because of the environment you are in? I mean, all you have to do is ask people, how do you make dressing or stuffing, depending. And you get so many different ideas, right? Sure. But that flavor is something that sticks with us. I have the family recipe. I got it from my mother who got it from her mother who got it from her mother. So we are the keepers of the Thanksgiving dressing, Christmas dressing recipe. And if it doesn't taste quite like it's supposed to, it's wrong, right? Or maybe it's a particular sweet thing. You always have this at Christmas or whatever holiday. They're just specific things for particular holidays. But it's not the food. It's being with the family, if it's a good one, or being away from them, if it's not. That you find a way to do it, yeah. So, uh, what I what I often tell my clients is, yes, it's the holidays, but we're really talking about a couple of days. It's a holiday, not a holiday month. Mm -hmm. So, even though my rule is I only have sugar on Sundays, if it's a holiday, I make an exception. Okay. So for Thanksgiving, for Christmas, for Easter, for the summer barbecue, for birthdays, I have what I want. I may have less of it than I used to want, but I have those flavors. I allow myself that because the next day I can go back eating the way I always have and I can adjust whatever extra that I've 
put on for that holiday. But it's never more than like a pound, two. And that's usually because the body is going, wait a minute, what am I going to do with that? Right. But if we don't, if we don't freak out and continue to eat all the stuff, then we'll be okay. So decide what you really want from this holiday and at least get a taste of it. The rule is you don't taste anything after three bites. Mm. Your, your palate has already figured out, oh, this is what's coming. And it deadens. Okay. So if you want to be a, a little more strict, you can say, right, I have three bites of anything. And when you do this, like for you personally, like especially over the years when you were first getting started, was day two or day three when you had to go back to your old ways, was that challenging? Or did you just say, you know, these are my rules. I knew going into it. So it, it wasn't as challenging. So part of the reason I gave up sugar was because I figured out what it did to me. Okay. I don't, I don't use sugar. We have it in the house because some people like it, but I don't use sugar in my cooking or food anymore because it makes me hungry and it makes me mean. Okay. And I didn't know that before I gave it up. Yeah. So I know that after Thanksgiving with my in-laws, where they do all the things. In fact, one year, my husband and his sister were leaving on a business trip the next day. And my mother-in-law, sweet, lovely lady that she is, put down in front of me a plate of sugar, various forms of it, cake, cookie, pie, whatever. And I looked at it and I looked over at him. He said, go ahead. I'm not going to be here when it hits. Wow. So even your husband notices it. You both really notice that difference. Yeah. So I know a couple of days after I've had sugar or, you know, too much food, I'm going to be hungry more than I was. I'm going to struggle with a little bit of frustration. I mean, I was born a redhead. We have our thing. I'm going to struggle with some of the emotional stuff because blood sugar plays a part in that. And I have to be prepared and recognize, oh, I'm starving this morning. Oh, that was the sugar two days. Hang in there. It will come back. You'll be fine. But it's recognizing in the moment, okay, this is the reason it's happening. And this is my body's response to that. So therefore, if I just stay on track, it will get better. Yeah, I really like that approach because it doesn't surprise you then when it happens. You expect it and know that it's coming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I prepare for it. Mm -hmm. Is there ever a time now or you pass this where, you know, we all have those cravings where you're like, it's not a Sunday, it's a Tuesday. And you're like, I really want a piece of cake. And if so, how do you overcome that now? What is your, do you eat the cake? Is there a method, even after you use the acronym, that you're just still struggling? And what is what do you do about it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, if you, it's one of those things that you manage, you never completely get rid of. But the more you manage it and the more you deal with the stuff. And that's my first question. Okay, what's going on? What am I feeling? Okay, I can see that. Yeah, okay. And I, I try to manage that. But if I still want, the cake, we still have a wanter. 
Sure. Sometimes I'm not upset, but if you put Italian cream cake in front of me with the buttercream cream cheese frosting, oh my word, that is hard to say <laughs> no to. <laughs> I love the feeling of that in my mouth, right? So here's what we do. Put it on a plate. Use a knife, fork, spoon, whatever the appropriate thing is. Sit down at the table with a tablecloth or placemat with a lovely glass, okay? Make it a moment. Do not eat it over the sink or over the trash can hoping no one will see. Sit down. Focus on the food. Squeeze every bit of flavor and texture out of every bite you take. And, oh, please, enjoy it. We have to give that food the same honor that we are giving our craving. If you're going to do it, enjoy it. Because once you enjoy something, it takes away the desire for it later. Oprah told a story once about um, going to France. And she bought two croissants, knowing she would swallow the first one whole and she could enjoy the second. What about enjoying the first? And part of it is we ate it so fast, we didn't taste it. So we need another one. Yeah. It's very normal. It happens. But focus on both and you get your desire for food, for that experience, all in one go. And if you do it and you sit down and you enjoy it, what about the people that say or, or deal with the guilt afterwards? Oh, I shouldn't even ate that one. I shouldn't have done that. Well, right. You probably shouldn't have. But like if you pick to enjoy it and you use that, I love that. But what about dealing with that guilt or what comes up afterwards? Well, you can be, you can feel guilty or you can get busy. Which mm -hmm. one makes you feel better? I mean, I get it. it. The guilt is sort of like punishing ourselves for not doing what we said we wanted to do. So how about now you just do what you said you want to do and don't waste time feeling guilty because that just makes you feel worse. Yes. Learn the lesson and move forward. Mm -hmm. And I know that's, that can be so hard to do and hard to learn how to do. But the more you do, it will become second nature. We've done it the other way for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. We have to learn how to do it differently. You know, I, I used to work in a hospital and watching people go through physical therapy and learn how to walk again. You know, they've been doing it for years. Now they can't do it anymore. They had to learn a new way to do it. And with food, that's what we're doing is we're learning a new way to interact with it that gets us what we want as well as what we need, but not what we don't. Yeah, that's great. And do you feel like when you start to work with somebody, do you feel like they know those emotional triggers or no kind of, or is that just for some people, it's so brand new that it, it takes a while? Yes. All of that. Some oh. of them know exactly what it is. They just don't know what to do with it. Okay. And some of them, they have the trigger. They just don't recognize it. And that's where someone who's objective and apart can say, why did we do it that way? 
Yes, it's the way you've always done it. Why? How does that work for you? Is it working for you? And then some, it's just like news. They've never heard it before. You know, like if someone starts talking to me about economics, it's going to take me a while to catch up because I don't think about that very much. I should, but I don't. I'd have to learn. It's like a computer. If my husband weren't around, I would not be doing this because he knows all of this. I have a long learning curve on this. And it's the same way on food and how we've done it. It's so granular to our existence. And yet we don't think about it a lot. We haven't learned a lot. We've just done what we've done. Mm -hmm. It's easier. It's fun. It's, it's, it's how it's done, but it doesn't mean that it's good for us. You know what? That's so true. If you think about just why you do what you do and how you grew up and then the social settings you put yourself in, those are typically what we eat or triggers to eat. And gosh, a lot of, like you said, your mom wasn't very good at it. A lot of parents probably aren't very good at it. And now they, you know, are passing that along, doing the absolute best they can because nutrition isn't something that typically is taught unless you specialize in a field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know, I remember, I, I mean, I'm old enough. I, I, I did home ec in high school because we didn't, it was a small school. We didn't have foreign language. English was a foreign language to a lot of people because they were not, um, it's what they'd learned, right? Yeah. So I remember we were supposed to write down like a menu. So I basically wrote down what we had. What do you mean chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes, and gravy isn't balanced? It's what we had at least twice. My father loves it. How's it not balanced? I didn't know. Yeah. But you learn as you go. Because what, what was done in your home isn't always the best. Parents try. They do the best they can with whatever, right? But it's sometimes cheaper to get the Happy Meal or other fast food, whatever, than it is to fix a proper meal. Mm-hmm. But once you know, it's important to do what works for your body. Yeah, I think that's super important. And just because you did it in the past doesn't mean you have to continue and do it in the future. No, uh, we're not wearing pencil skirts every day to work, are we? No. Drinks <laughs> <laughs> James. I know you've done a lot and you have a lot going on. What are you most excited about in this season? Oh, you know, and I just love helping someone heal their heart. There's that moment when I say something, it's almost like a dog. They go, (laughs) and you can see the wheels turning and them going, I never thought about it that way. And it's like you can see into their heart and life and know that things are changing for the better. I just love that moment. Yeah, because really it changes somebody's life forever. And really, if we're thinking about it, it probably changes their family's life as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, you know, particularly for women, if, if mama is in a very good place, the whole family gets in a better place because there's, there's such the hub of the wheel 
and they affect everybody around. Yeah. Nay, yeah, I'm so glad that I'm not glad you had to go through this journey, but I feel like you are just using it in a way that is helping so many people. And I'm so grateful for you sharing today. Thank you for letting me. Yeah. What is the best way if people are interested to learn more about you or connect with you as a coach? What is the best way for them to do that? Um, I have a website, packyourownbag.com. And Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, it's mostly at Pack Your Own Bag. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I'm going to put all those links in the show notes so people can connect with you. And if you haven't watched the TEDx talk, I highly recommend it. Um, Such great information. They can see you on stage and you really, really do a great job there. Oh, thank you. I bet. Very nerve wracking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, have a wonderful holiday and thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to Be The Person podcast. If you know somebody that you think might benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. And it would mean the world if you would leave a five-star review. Thank you so much.